I want you to back up in your mind just a few moments to our responsive reading and those words of the psalmist and the message that he had, thinking particularly about the 10th verse as the psalmist sort of inserted a special prayer in which he said, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within. I want you to think about those words of the psalmist and then hear the reading of these words of Jesus found in the 11th chapter of the Gospel according to St. Luke and then watch as we try to bring them together uh, for the message of this hour. Jesus said to them, Suppose one of you has a friend. He goes to him at midnight and said, Friend, lend me three loaves of bread because a friend of mine on a journey has come to me and I have nothing to set before him. The one inside answers, don't bother me. The door is already locked and my children are with me in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you, though he will not get up and give him the bread because he's a friend. Yet because of the man's persistence, he will get up and give him as much as he needs. So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. You will find. Everyone who asks, receives. He who seeks, finds. And to him who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will he give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will he give him a scorpion? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? I don't know about you, but the longer I live, the more convinced I am in my own understanding that the springtime is the most beautiful season of the four seasons of the year. And there is something about spring that stirs within my own mind and soul the utmost of imagination and enrichment and enjoyment. I'm sure that many of you have a particular fondness for the fall season. And I confess that there is something about the beauty of an October afternoon when the sun is shining on the leaves as they take on a radiance unlike any other color of an artist unimaginable. There is always something thrilling and exciting to drive through the countryside and see the beauty of the trees as they take on their color. There's something of a special excitement that comes with summer that comes at no other time within an individual's life. Summer has something special to offer. The days are longer. There are more opportunities for us to have free time to enjoy ourselves. We go through experiences of vacation in which we get away from the cares and the anxieties of the routine in which we're involved. And, and there's something special about vacation time I think that mothers look forward to the summer because uh, the children can get out in the yard and play or go to the swimming pool or go somewhere else and, and they're not always underfoot and there's a little bit of freedom there for the mothers to enjoy. Um, fathers enjoy summer because you can go to the golf course early and get away from all of the other things that normally creep in on, on life and, and there's something about summer that's enjoyable. A few years ago, my family and I left the state of Alabama and moved to Kansas. And I learned something the first year I was there that I never dreamed possible. And that was the thrill and excitement that comes through the first snow of the year. I never really realized that people could look forward to winter 
and to the falling of snow in the way in which those people seem to relish the idea of a 10 or 12 inch snow regardless of the fact that it might last for a number of weeks and even in months. And yet, I come back to the idea that to me, there is nothing more enjoyable than the springtime as the world seems to take on new life. And all of a sudden you begin to feel the presence of God in a way different to any other time of the year. I don't know whether you have noticed it this year or not, but it seems to me that this has been one of the prettiest springs I think that I've ever experienced. I watched the little dogwood out here in the courtyard as it began to bloom and to blossom. And those little, uh, those little flowers were the largest flowers I think that I ever saw in a dogwood tree. They shone as brightly and beautifully as any, any dogwood I ever saw. And everywhere you look on the mountain, there is a constant reminder of the pageantry of God as the spring begins to unfold and new life begins to take shape. And everywhere there is evidence of the fact that that which had hampered the activities of our life and dragged us down through the months of winter was past and gone. And God was opening before us the opportunities of new life. However, with the coming of spring, there also comes spring cleaning. With every good, there has to be some bad. And we have to clean the house in spring. My wife begins her spring cleaning and she would like so much for me to help. She wants me to wash the windows and rake the yard and trim the hedge and do all of those other things that go with spring cleaning. And I just don't like to wash windows. I don't like to work in the yard. I don't like to do any of those things. But I've come to realize that with the spring and its new life, there has to be some cleaning that takes place as we rid not only ourselves, but our surroundings of the accumulation of trash and dust and, and those things uh, that come with the winter. A few days ago, I picked up a little book by Bishop um, Lance Webb entitled When God Comes Alive. And in this little book, uh, Lance Webb makes an observation in which he says, springtime is a gift of God and so is the new life we need so desperately. And then he concludes with this thought. But unlike springtime which comes, whether we want it or not, this new spring comes to the heart only through our response. Spring comes. Just as surely as the winter is here, we're going to enjoy the blessings of spring. Lance Webb says, unlike the spring, the new life that comes with God comes only through our response. Now in the words of the psalmist, uh, we see something of the way in which this new life is possible. He goes through all of the ideas and implications of, of our human nature and our sinful experience. And then he says, sort of as an insert, but nevertheless, he says, create in me a clean heart, O God, 
and renew a right spirit within. And then Jesus says it best of all. As he describes the realities of our human experience and our human nature. And then he says, it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. The prayer of our heart, create in me a clean heart, O God, begins the soul-searching experience with which we are all faced within the experiences of life. And then Jesus reminds us that in response to the prayers that we make, it is the pleasure of God to lay before us the blessings of his kingdom. Now, how does this come about? Well, there are three things I lift up for your consideration. The first of these is that we receive the blessings of God through the experience of worship. As trite or trivial as it may sound, there are few things that mean more to an individual's life than a real worship experience. Someone has said, it is one of the great, greatest blessings of this country that Americans are still going to church. And then he follows with a question, but why? There are many reasons why we are a part of the worshiping congregation of the church. I suppose most of us would have to admit there is a sense of habit in which we become a part of the worshiping service. We go to church out of habit. There are others who go to church because uh, they want to make an impression. I never really have understood why anyone felt it necessary to make a good impression on anybody else. Uh, but there are those that attend the service of the church simply because they want to make a good impression. Then there are those that go to the service of the church uh, because of the pressure they feel from within their family or within their community. Not necessarily because this is the thing we want to do. But in order to escape some of the things that otherwise we might have to endure, we become a part of the worshiping service of the church. But in reality, there is only one reason for people to attend the worship service of the church. And that is because through the worship experience, we find ourselves in the presence of God and we hear the voice of God speaking directly to the needs of our life and sharing with us a message of understanding unlike any other experience that we ever encounter. Now I'm sure that most of you have been privileged in times past to attend a service in which you listened to great preaching. And there was always a sense of excitement within the message of the hour. Sunday after Sunday, we come and listen to the choirs of our church and, and feel something of the inspiration they bring and, and know the, the, the joys that come through the word they share. The great hymns of the church stir our heart and our mind and our imagination. But when you've said all of this, there's only one reason why anybody ought to attend the service of the church 
and that is because the worship service brings us into the presence of God and brings the Spirit of God into our heart and into our life and gives to us the strength that we need, the comfort and consolation and solace that comes to us from no other source the world has ever known. And so as we confess the realities of our own life and as we talk of the need for cleansing from within, the message of God unfolds before us and we realize in the service of worship that we are experiencing here and now, not in times that are yet to come, but here and now, we are experiencing for ourselves the coming of the kingdom of God and the blessings that his kingdom brings. Another way by which God speaks to the needs of our life and gives us cleansing is through uh, the experience of discipleship. For just as surely as we enter the presence of God through worship, we feel the call of God to service and we also hear the cry of those with whom we live and the more we learn of the nature of God, the more we concern, become concerned about the conditions of the world in which we are a part. And the more we learn of the message of God, the more we feel the Spirit of God at work within our own life and within our own soul, the more we realize that God is bringing with his spirit and with his presence something of the message of life that he and he alone is able to provide. There's a story in the New Testament that to me is one of the most interesting stories of Jesus' ministry. You remember one day Jesus had gone with his disciples, some of his disciples, up on a mountainside, and when he came down, the, those that were left, he was greeted by a man who came to him and said to him, Master, we, I besought your disciples that they should bring cleansing to my child. But they were unable to do anything at all about it. Isn't there something you can do? Well, Jesus looked at his disciples both in disgust and with questions as to how much they really understood and immediately perform the miracle that had been requested of him. And when the man and his son turned and walked away with the healing they had come to receive, the disciples said to Jesus, why couldn't we do that? You ever have that question arise? Why couldn't I do something more than I was able to do? Why couldn't I minister more effectively? Why couldn't I serve better? Jesus said to his disciples, these things come only through prayer and through fasting. What he was saying is simply this. There are some things that you can only do when you learn more and more of the message of Christ. When discipleship opens up the opportunities and avenues of service, there are things that happen only when we begin to learn the real message 
of discipleship. And then again, we feel the cleansing power of God and we feel the reality of his kingdom when we really understand the truth of relationships. As trite, as trivial, as insignificant as it may sound, we learn more about God through our relationships than any other way known to mankind. Hear me. You may not agree, but hear me. We learn more about God through our relationships than any other way that's open to us. And I use as my criteria none less than Jesus himself. For Jesus said, how can you say you love God whom you have not seen if you don't love those with whom you live? We learn about God. And we experience the reality of God in our relationships in a way that's altogether different to any other experience, including the worshiping experience of an individual's life. Let me illustrate it this way. There is in our conference a Methodist preacher for whom I have the utmost respect and admiration, a man for whom I have as strong a feeling as for any other individual that I've ever known. In fact, I would do anything humanly possible if called upon to reach out and to help him if ever a need arose. I'd do anything. I'd make any sacrifice. I, I would go through any hell in order to let him know how much I care. And the reason is simply this. There was a period in my life when I was going through the valleys of the shadows of life in a way in which I had never faced them before nor since. And I needed some help. I needed someone to give me support. And he reached out his hand in a way in which nobody else ever before had reached out to me. He walked with me through the struggles with which I was faced. He gave me his companionship and his help. He wanted so much to solve the problem with which I was faced, he couldn't solve the problem. Let me assure you that the problem was not solved. And it went on far much longer than I would like for it to have gone on. But he gave me the companionship that I needed. And I felt in his companionship and in his presence the strength of God that I felt in no other way that I'd ever known. And as I think about it, I am convinced more and more that here is an avenue open to us that everywhere you look, there are those 
who need the strength and support that you and I are able to provide. And how cleansing it is within one's own soul to realize that in the name of Christ we have reached out and made possible what otherwise would be for some individual an impossible situation. It's no wonder then that the psalmist in the midst of looking at himself and probing the mysteries of his own uh, deceit and of his own sin and of his own corruption cried out create in me a clean heart O God and renew a right spirit within and Jesus seeing the needs of our life and the problems and the agonies with which we are faced gave to us the greatest promise that's ever been made that it is God's pleasure to give us his kingdom. And we can experience the joys of new life and the blessings that he alone is able to provide because of his understanding of the human situation and the needs that we encounter. Do you believe it? Help us, our Heavenly Father, as we struggle from time to time with unforgiven sins, with broken hearts, with feelings of agony and corruption, as well as despair, to look beyond the struggles of the moment to the realities of thy kingdom and its everlasting love as revealed for us through Jesus Christ that in his name and in his spirit we may enjoy the blessings you have offered to us. For it is in his name we pray. Amen.